Hey, Power People. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. Dan, welcome back to another episode of Renewal Rides. Excited? Yeah, absolutely. Great to catch up with you. Yeah, I had an awesome uh, labor-long weekend. I hope everyone else did too. For me, it was actually a first full backpacking experience for the family with my nine-year-old boy. So made him lug his own gear up into uh, an inner city wilderness area as a kind of low-stress test to see whether he enjoyed it. But it was awesome to get away from technology, be in nature, hang out with the family, and yeah, just really enjoy being away from day-to-day business. So uh, it was an awesome, awesome weekend. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the photos that, that you were to share and it looked like a beautiful sunset. I am fully embracing dad being and having young kids. So we got together with a bunch of other young families with kids, almost all of which were under five years old, which was pretty chaotic, but a, but a great time. And then I got away with the boys for a, for a bit of a golf afternoon on Sunday. So that was quite nice to, uh, to catch up with them as well. So I, I enjoyed the long weekend, but excited to be back at it and excited to prepare for our upcoming travels over the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's roll into it. So last time we, we talked about the centralized grid in our last episode and, and largely the ener- energy transition. And within that, commercial industrial businesses have four major levers. Within that, we'd say energy efficiency, then on-site energy, then off-site or virtual power purchase agreements and carbon offsets. And we'll get into all of these in future episodes, but today we're really focusing on on-site energy. So Gareth, can you define for us what on-site energy is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on-site energy is where we essentially generate and store energy right where we need it. So instead of, like we discussed on the last episode, being passive consumers of energy from the central grid and from our utilities, this is where we can actually generate and store our own energy right at our business locations or even at our residences. And these systems can be referred to as distributed energy systems, local energy, or even microgrids. And there's lots of different definitions around these, and we can talk about them in future episodes as well. But for purposes of today, on-site energy is often a combination of various different technologies to meet a specific business need and objective. And so the different technologies we can consider are solar, battery storage, other forms of storage, diesel and gas generators, wind power, CHP units, uh, so these are combined heat and power units, fuel cells, waste heat recovery, which is a quite an exciting and developing space, as well as EV charging. And so many businesses have different needs, objectives, whether it be cost reductions, resilience, emission reduction, and they, uh, their sort of business situations are quite different. 
And so being able to consider all these different technologies and create a hybrid on-site energy system can often meet many of those business needs and expectations. What I want to really talk about is like, how did we really even end up here? Back in the 90s, energy was simple. We, we as businesses had one line item on our budget, energy bought from the utility. The utility was providing reliable, affordable energy. And we only had essentially on-site energy systems when we had businesses that were really sensitive to power outages. And often that came in the form of diesel generators. And so diesel generators were very popular for businesses like hospitals, pharmaceutical businesses, or remote mine sites or oil and gas assets where they didn't have access to reliable grid. But then fast forward to the 2000s, and we saw a few significant shifts. Carbon emissions became more mainstream dialogue. So the pressure was on for businesses to start thinking about their emissions. And to do that, rooftop solar became extremely popular and a lot of incentives started appearing. So we started seeing more deployments of solar and through energy efficiency practices, we also saw businesses realize that they could consistently realize operational cost savings through the deployment of these systems. So we've now got grid power combined with some degree of on-site energy. But then in the 2010s, we started seeing prices for the grid power starting to escalate, power outages starting to increase in severity and frequency. And at the same time, community expectations around air quality regulations started to stiffen. So the use of diesel gensets became more challenged. We saw them being replaced with gas-fired generators, and even to some degree, as you mentioned at the start, virtual power purchase agreements, a lot of corporates to meet their sustainability goals started deploying these, but they started realizing that there's some challenges, which we'll talk about in more detail in future episodes. So then today we are seeing grid power becoming increasingly less reliable, increasingly more expensive, diesel generators becoming less acceptable. And meanwhile, we're seeing the rapid adoption of EVs. So all these combined constraints and challenges with the fact that solar, battery storage, fuel cells have all come down massively in cost have made on-site energy systems extremely attractive, both commercially as well as being able to achieve these sustainability targets. And so it's quite an interesting, exciting time. And I think on-site energy, while it's been around for decades in one form or another, in its modern day terminology in the hybrid sense, it's becoming really exciting for us to uh, explore further. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that overview. The benefits of, of on-site energy, there's, there's, there's quite a few, and I'll go through a couple, and I'm sure in future episodes we'll, we'll dive deeper into many of them. First and foremost is cost. You, you've touched on the fact that, that grid costs are rising, but there is not just a, a resilience or carbon emissions case here for deploying on-site energy that's really, in many places, more cost-effective to generate your own energy and continue to consume from the grid, but when it's more cost-effective. So cost is, is hands down the primary benefit. Secondary benefit is not having to rely on the grid to clean up and the grid carbon intensity to come down, but to take matters into your own hand and do it yourself. So reducing your carbon emissions, whether that be primarily scope two from consumption from the uh, the electric grid, but also by reducing your scope one emissions by looking at the thermal loads, which many of our industrial customers have. And then beyond that, certainly enabling your your clients within the scope three, which we can talk about later as well. 
The third primary benefit is resilience. And so being able to ride through a grid outage, being able to have greater power quality, which is which is a concern for many businesses, these are also benefits of an on-site energy system. The last I'd say is, is optimizing your interaction with the grid. So again, rarely are companies going to completely disconnect from the grid and, and island themselves. It's really more of a matter of consuming when it makes the most sense, discharging excess energy when it makes sense, and optimizing that interaction with the grid. Another benefit that I did want to mention is, especially as you talk about the deployment of EVs or companies that are electrifying everything, that's a, it's kind of a buzzword these days. What they're finding is their service from the utility might not have enough capacity to deploy all these uh, EV chargers or, or other electric devices and assets. So by deploying on-site energy systems, you actually can avoid having to wait the long queues to get a service upgrade from the utility and start to realize those benefits now. And over time, when the utility can can upgrade those services, you can then continue to to consume from the utility at that stage. So there, there's there's many benefits. We'll we'll certainly dive into deeper in future episodes on these. But Gareth, maybe you can share a bit of a case study so people can wrap their minds around what it's what it is in a in a real example. Yeah, I definitely becomes simpler to understand when we talk about real life cases. And we recently were working with a pretty major aerospace manufacturer in the Northeast US. And you know, they were they currently today pay about $240,000 per month in energy costs. And they're seeing cost escalations from their utilities. So their business drivers are one to get control over their energy costs. And secondly, to start making progress towards their emission reduction targets. They weren't really sure how to approach that. So we were able to uh, look at what an onsite energy system could could do for them. They had a fairly big load. So in order to meet their energy demand, an onsite energy system can't meet all their energy needs. So they'd stay connected to the grid for about 51% of their power. And then 49% could be supported with on-site energy. And in their case, it was a 3.1 megawatt solar ground mountain system, a 4.1 megawatt carport, and then a 3.4 megawatt battery. With this system deployed, they're able to save $96,000 a month, $1.2 million per year. So these costs are not insignificant, especially when you factor that over a 20-year period. And this is only assuming a 3% utility cost escalation. And we're seeing that being exceeded quite a lot around the country. And it's only going to increase over the years. So this is pretty conservative. And this is versus them consuming only from the grid. Using some of the incentives available in the market, which are very attractive today, and I know, Dan, you want to touch on in a bit more detail, but they're able to get cash flow positive within the first year, which is insane. And then they can also reduce their emissions by 49%. So huge benefits in terms of cost savings, emission reduction, and sort of business resilience from a perspective of being able to plan how they're going to operate their assets moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So really the benefits are tremendous when you when you think about an example like that and and so what i want to share a bit more on is, is some of the opportunities ahead as it relates to on-site energy first uh, you've mentioned a couple times the incentives so the incentives have really never been better we the in passage of the inflation reduction act last summer we're starting to see the the guidance coming out from the irs as it relates to tax credits there's also information in there about the accelerated depreciation certainly many other benefits around using us sourced equipment and 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 materials 
So the incentives side of things have never been better. There's also a massive amount of grants available. So in fact, just earlier this week, I, I had a meeting with several nonprofits ranging from industrious labs to Rocky Mountain Institute and several others that are really working with businesses to deploy grant funding here in California from the California Energy Commission and uh, really being able to deploy grants to into these projects, both on the planning and the actual deployment of those projects. Nice. Another opportunity within this is participation in utility programs. So the easiest one to think about is, is demand response programs. So these are programs put out by the utilities or the independent system operators in order to be able to when the, the the demand on the grid is really high, be able to call on certain customers to 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 reduce their demand. And you can actually get paid for that. Not only when those events, the demand response events occur, but also just for being enrolled in the program and being available to reduce your demand when the time comes. Now, most companies wouldn't completely turn off their operations when those events occur. So having an on-site energy system, especially storage, is critical in being able to reduce your, your demand from the grid, but still maintain operations. Another utility program that can be looked at is frequency regulation. So that's another uh, revenue generating opportunity. And then lastly, as far as an opportunity goes, is really any business having energy sovereignty, being able to have cost certainty for business planning, for operational resilience, for progress towards sustainability goals is incredibly important. And rather than just putting it in the hands of, of the utility and, and, and outside of your control, really taking control of that whole process. And we can see from a, from a business continuity perspective, a great example in what one of these systems could have done in the February 2021 cold snap in Texas, where Samsung has a, a major chip plant. And that one outage, now not just the outage that lasted several days, but the fallout of that over the next several weeks and months, Samsung lost $270 million in that process. So having a bit more control can uh, hit a lot to the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And then Onset Energy Solution would have paid for that outage hundreds of times over, I think. And I think that's the opportunity for the business leaders, isn't it, is uh, not to be waiting to be a victim of this, but getting ahead of it because you don't want to suffer one of these outages and then have those um, operational costs. I think in addition to those sort of hard savings and hard benefits, there's lots of softer benefits as well that business leaders should really be embracing. And this ranges from being able to win contracts. You know, we're seeing more and more across the supply chain. Businesses being expected to have resilient operations to meet their procurement needs, as well as clean energy driving their operations and contracts actually not being issued if they can't meet those demands. And so we're going to see that more and more across supply chain. So for businesses that can get ahead of that trend and compete by having differentiated positions because they're cleaner, greener, more affordable, more competitive because they're operationally able to meet those commitments, that's going to serve them really well. We're seeing employees more and more looking for businesses that are doing right by their community and by themselves. And so being able to see a physical on-site energy system at the place that they're working can be highly motivating. We're also seeing businesses that are doing this, seeing stock price increases, and obviously being able to market their products in really interesting, exciting ways, which drives more revenue, more profitability. And so lots of other soft benefits that we should be getting excited about. But Dan, it can't all be rosy. What do you think, uh, based on what you're seeing in the market, some of the challenges are today? 
Yeah, certainly. I'd say arguably the biggest is education. Part of the reason that we're even doing this podcast is to help people understand what the possibilities are and be aware of the benefits, the the challenges, things they should be looking out for. I think far too often I've heard from business leaders, oh, batteries are too expensive or I'm just going to rely on the utility. I know they have big plans to deploy a bunch of wind and solar and they're going to clean up the grid. I think really we need to be looking at it from the lens of how do we help people understand what the possibilities are? Go in eyes wide open. It still may not be the best thing for them and that's fine. But uh, having an understanding of, of where the possibilities are is incredibly important. I would say the the another big one is generally the the suppliers in the market are trying to do great things. They're trying to help businesses deploy systems. But the reality is, as within any business, they are pushing, they have a particular product or service that they are bringing to market and they are trying to get that in as many customer hands as possible. And so within that, they will look at an opportunity and help someone understand what the benefits are of deploying their technology, not looking at the holistic solution set and saying what is actually best for the business. So Many business leaders find it hard to, to to trust the supply side or determine who to trust because it feels like they're constantly being sold to in the market. And then the last I'd say is ensuring that they're configuring the right system, both for that particular facility, but also for, for their overall goals, whether it be cost, carbon, or resilience, or some combination of that. Many companies, as in the example of the aerospace firm that you mentioned, can actually check many of those boxes in the, in that process. But accounting for all the thousands of variables that go into this can be quite a daunting challenge and really not something that we should expect most business leaders to take on, but why businesses like Vecta exist. And I'd say the, the there are many misconceptions out there. I'll give you one great example. Several weeks ago, we were on the phone with a facilities leader from a a winery in in the Napa area. And while you never wish this upon someone, while we were on the phone, while he wasn't at the major facility, the the power went out at the facility. And wow. he actually had to stop the call middle of middle of our conversation to to take some calls from his his team there at the facility. He came back on, felt rest assured that because they had solar and because they had uh, diesel generators that everything was set. Unfortunately, the diesel generators didn't fire up because the batteries were dead. Hmm. And because they were only had solar and not any sort of storage, the, the, the solar was disconnected to, to protect line workers from backfeeding. And so that in that case, we actually had to stop the call. He had to leave and go to the facility and we picked up the call a couple of days later. But in that case, this is the facilities leader thinking, Oh, we're all good. We're set. When in fact, uh, he actually ran into some some pretty major issues. Luckily, after catching up with him, no major issues were had, but the out, outage did last a couple hours. Wow. So I think dispelling some of these misconceptions is, a, is another critical piece of, of, of the challenges that, that lie in front of us. So challenges, when we, we're, I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into more of those in the future. But what does the future have for us? I think the future is very bright, Dan. Most of all, these systems today are super economical. You know, per the case study we gave before, cost for solar storage has come down over 80% in the last 10 years. The industry's got a lot more efficient at deploying these systems. Utilities are now creating programs in some cases that are very supportive of them. And so as such, the systems are becoming highly competitive, highly economical. 
and with very short payback periods, which should motivate all business leaders to really be considering them, especially instead of being at the mercy of uncontrollable cost escalations and outages from the utility. The incentives are incredible right now, which make these systems extremely attractive, you know, between 30, 50 plus percent tax credits on these systems from the Inflation Reduction Act, depreciation opportunities that you mentioned. So these are very beneficial for businesses to take advantage of. And I'd say, you know, you touched on this before from a perspective of the supply side of the market is extremely competent. The biggest challenge is indecision from the buying side because they don't know who to trust or what's possible. So I think the emergence of enabling technologies to help businesses design and optimize the right system, whether it be the Zendis, the Homers, the Energy Tool Bases, the Station A's, or what we're doing here at Vector, this is bringing more clarity to the buy side of, of the market, which allows business leaders to act with confidence and not be shooting in the dark. And I think ultimately, this is all about moving away from this centralized grid infrastructure that has single points of failure to a more connected, flexible, adaptable, distributed energy system where all these on-site energy systems have internal benefits for the business, but once all interconnected in the future, talking to one another, the ability to disconnect in the in the situation of either cyber attacks or physical issues, being able to support one another, create balance and flexibility across the distribution grid. All this leads to that more reliable, clean, and affordable energy system of the future. And I think what I love most about distributed energy is we'll get to a point where there'll be a zero marginal cost once you pay the capital up front to get these systems installed. And you don't even necessarily have to pay the capital. That's also what's super exciting is there are players in the market who want to finance these systems, build them, operate them for you, and just sell you energy back. But once you've paid that upfront capital, the operational costs are limited to none. And so you've got access to free long-term energy assets, especially when you're using renewables to to reliably run your business with confidence. And the communities of the future will have access to more energy than they could possibly need. And as we've talked about, energy is the lifeblood of absolutely everything. And with that, that opens so many doors, whether it be desalination, education, more AI computing power, and this will all lead to a better society all around. So I'd say the future is very bright and uh, we're really just beginning. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly excited myself and appreciate all the efforts that all of the firms that you mentioned are are doing to, to help make this happen. All right. Well, I'm super excited about the future as well, Gareth, and uh, I'm really excited about several of the technologies that you mentioned in there and, and really where we're headed as a complete industry. So in closing of, of this particular episode, we've received several questions for people to learn a little bit more about us and a bit of our background story has come up. So I think it'd be worth sharing with our listeners how we met. So I think that's a, that's a fun one. Yeah. We, we actually met through a, a very prominent figure in the energy landscape, Jigger Shaw, which many of our listeners may be familiar with. Jigger is the founder of Generate Capital and, and has more recently over the last couple of years stepped away from that business to lead the Department of Energy's loan program office. And several years ago, Jigger made a great post on LinkedIn that myself and many others made some, some thoughtful comments on. And, and you were happened to be one of the 
I don't know, 10 or so people that, that liked my comment. And I went in and researched these, these different people and who they are and, and came across you and, and what you're doing here at Vecta. And, and I ended up reaching out and sparking up a conversation. And it's over three years ago at this point. And it was quite a serendipitous opportunity for us to, to connect on, on LinkedIn. And, and uh, I know you've got a fun story from our first meeting in physical world. Yep. The power of LinkedIn dating progressed to uh, in-person hanging out. And I think uh, we proved a new interview technique after Dan and I had exchanged messages on LinkedIn for many, many months, encouraged Dan to come out on a mountain bike ride with myself and one of my friends. And we actually um, didn't know what Dan's capabilities would be. And my buddy chose a pretty stiff and tough uh, ride, but halfway up the very first climb, Dan's gears broke. <laughs> and so we got to see resilience in action. Dan smiled in the face of adversity. And as we pedaled up the mountain, Dan ran along, chatting away, holding his own. He managed to uh, ride it out uh, without any gears. And then we acted as a team to push him all the way home and uh, topped off the mountain bike ride with a hot tub and a beer. And I think uh, what it really showed me was it's really good to test people outside of the business environment. And uh, Dan went home and his wife said to him, you've either completely screwed it and you'll never hear from him again, or you're going to be hired. And so uh, luckily for both of us, it turned into uh, a long-term friendship and business partnership and a, an awesome story, awesome backdrop. And uh, it's amazing how far we've come. Yep. I think it, it demonstrates just the, the power of of saying yes and 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 taking initiative to to reach out to people we encourage everyone to do that reach out to us give us feedback ask us questions we are we are very much listening and and want to build this into future episodes so uh yeah any other closing thoughts gareth no i think uh, it's been a great episode lots of content to dig into more detail on i think we'll get some great suppliers on to talk about each of the individual technologies that make up these systems but yeah super exciting times any business leaders out there that are thinking about this and are feeling confused or overwhelmed, certainly uh, reach out, ask any questions you want. For anyone in the industry, we're here to build an ecosystem that supports us to deploy these systems more cost-effectively, more efficiently, remove the soft costs out of the system. And so we are here to support you. Reach out, hang out, and uh, excited for the next one, Dan. Likewise. See you guys. All right, see you. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks and success stories, we've created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers and have a good one.